0: Insecurities, we've all got them. But what if your insecurities are so intense that you try to mask it by aspiring to be the complete opposite of what you fear, the best? And that if you don't feel like you're the best, the most attractive, most successful, hardworking, then you feel like garbage. It's all or nothing. Sound familiar? Then whip out your notebooks and take some notes for this episode. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self-worth, emotional baggage and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. Welcome back to the Inner Child Podcast. I am Gloria Zhang, psychotherapist, and I'm here to help you overcome people-pleasing, low self-worth, and heal from childhood wounds. So full disclaimer, I live in Toronto, and I don't understand why it's so cold outside, but I'm sitting here in the basement, and I'm literally sweating buckets as I'm trying to record this right now. So if I sound uh, more dehydrated than usual, that is why. But anyways, today we're here to talk about insecurities, but not just insecurities. I want to talk about this belief that a lot of folks get locked into. It's actually a form of overcompensation where you feel like you need to be the best or you're nothing. And it's not even just about being the best. It's about needing to be seen as the best. I need to be seen as the best girlfriend Boyfriend, husband, son, daughter. I need to be seen as the best employee. I need to be the best singer. I have to be the best sketch artist. I have to be the best cook. I have to be the best mom in this grade. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's all about public perception. And I thought this would be a great follow-up for last week's episode, which was all about people-pleasing. This is a form of people-pleasing, right? it's where your focus is not about you anymore. It's not about what you want or what's good for you. It's about trying to control. Well, I don't really like to use that word, but it's like trying to influence other people to feel a certain way about you, to see you as the best, because that's what makes you feel like will protect your sense of self-worth that you can only feel lovable or that you can only feel good enough if other people think that you're the best. But I want to talk about something important first. And this is something I've learned from years and years of working with clients that this particular topic carries a great deal of shame around it. And what I mean by that is people who feel like they have to be the best, a lot of their identity is conflicted actually they're conflicted between you know they want to be a good person and they want to be seen as a good person and so if you were to admit to other people you know I care so much about this person's opinion like I care a lot about opinions it makes people feel ashamed it feels really bad to admit but you know I'm just here to tell you there is no shame in this because this is a real thing and a lot of people feel this way And as I said in the last episode, people-pleasing, when it comes down to it, is a survival strategy that you had to pick up in childhood. And so it's not your fault, my love. It's not your fault at all. And this doesn't make you a bad person, okay? It just means that your brain was shaped to think this way. And it's something that helped you at one time, but is no longer serving you. And we're going to work on releasing this pattern together. But I just want to say that this is not something to be ashamed of, and it doesn't make you a bad person or a petty person, because I have felt this way too. (laughs) And I'll share some personal experiences today, just so that you don't feel as alone in this thought, because trust me when I say a lot of my clients, they've felt this way at some time or another. Some people feel more strongly. By the time it gets to therapy, I usually hear it in terms of relationships, So the most common thing I hear is extreme insecurity around wanting your partner to only see you, to think of you as the best. And you're constantly looking for validation of you are the best. You know, sometimes jealousy is part of this as well. Now, when it comes to insecurity, usually the first thing people think of is physical insecurity. So some of you have heard about Doug's research and how 7 in 10 girls believe that they're not good enough. Of course, a lot of this is to do with our society and the way that we send messages about people's bodies. Now, this isn't just a women's thing. There's no gender when it comes to body insecurity. And men, for example, men have body insecurities too. It's just because men tend to be socialized not to express their feelings. They're just quieter about their body negativity. And men are less likely to seek out help or treatment to get help for their body shame. And of course, non-binary folks have their own set of insecurities around their bodies and what it means to not conform to society's stereotypes. So, you know, this is not something that's just within one gender. But when it comes to these deep insecurities, really it boils down to our core wounds, <laughs> throwback to an earlier episode, because insecurities really boil down to two things: unworthiness and fear of not being lovable. So, I'm going to explain to you through the different attachment styles how these different attachment styles will act out their insecurities in different ways. So, for those of you who have more of a anxious attachment style, you know, obviously this might be that you seek out validation often. You might be asking your partners or people in your life, asking them for validation, needing compliments, like really seeking that out. Now for my folks who have more of an avoidant attachment, this can happen when you shut down, when you just don't feel enough. And sometimes this happens before you're even really aware of it. Right, Like you'll feel some big feelings and then you start numbing out or tuning out or turning away from your partner or shutting down. And you don't even realize till later on, it's because you felt hurt by something or you're starting to feel like you're not the best or enough. So that's one. And with avoidant attachments, serial monogamy is also another thing. You get into a brand new relationship, they shower you with attention, you feel enough, you feel like the best. And then once you start getting more intimate in the relationship, you start to become more afraid and it might lead you to detach from that relationship and jump into the next one. And you might jump from one relationship to the next in order to avoid getting close because really you're afraid of addressing the root issue of that not enoughness. And it seems like no one can make you feel enough, but really it's coming from you It's coming from you already feeling like you're not enough, and that feeling's already inside you. And there's different situations that are just activating that feeling you already have about yourself. Of course, disorganized attachment, which I used to be, is both. (laughs) So going back and forth between seeking validation and shutting off. Disorganized attachment really just means that you don't know which strategy to use. And so you kind of go back and forth between anxious and avoidant. And for a secure attachment, obviously, you can have insecurities as well. And so you might play out these things that I described as well, but it won't be as pervasive. And what I mean is it may not be showing up in every relationship, but if you have a more distinctive attachment style, you tend to do the same things in most of your relationships. So the story that's replaying here is that your inner child is hurting from something. It could have been growing up that you were compared to other children, or were you compared to your relatives, for example. But also, was a lot of your self-worth based on achievements, and were you praised for reaching those achievements? You see, when we're praised, and especially when we're praised as a child, we get these crazy dopamine hits. The brain sees praise as reward. And when we get that hit of dopamine, of that reward, we want more of it. Which is not to say that praise is bad. Praise is very, very good. But it's about what kinds of things were you praised for. There's a big difference between praising a child, saying I'm so proud of you this time because you got A's on everything and that's what I expect compared to, I'm proud of you for always putting in so much effort and I'm proud of you for learning and for giving it your best shot. Whatever we praise, we repeat because that's what our brains like to do. And I want you to ask yourself, who did you have to be to be loved by your mom and dad or your caregiver if you didn't have a mom and dad? Who was it that you thought you had to be to be loved by these people in your life? And by answering that question, it can tell you where this idea of being the best came from. So short story here, that same ex-boyfriend I talked about in the last episode, the one where, you know, I first started joining bands because I wanted to be like his ex-girlfriend. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the same ex-boyfriend that I felt this constant need to be validated from. And, you know, I can't even remember how that really started. But I think there was something about the way he treated me that made me feel insecure in the first place. But I was so convinced in my head that in order to feel good enough for this person, like I had to be the best girlfriend that he had ever had. And that gave me a false sense of security that by doing so, that he would have to stay with me, right? (laughs) Which is obviously untrue. But if I was so good, there was no way he would leave me. But I would just outshine all these other women. (laughs) And what ended up actually happening was I was just comparing myself to his past partners. I would stalk his Instagram, his social media, see you know if he was following other girls and I was just always looking for what was wrong okay, looking for what was wrong. And the ironic part is this person wasn't even unfaithful or anything like that. It was me you know looking for evidence to confirm my beliefs about myself really. The only reason we try to be the best is because we secretly worry that just us by ourselves, that we're not good enough. And so the word the best, that's just a way to try to compensate for what we feel is lacking. And the thing is, if you're trying to look for evidence to support any theory, you're going to find evidence because that's what our brain does. Right? What's wrong is always there, but so is what's right. And I can honestly tell you that in the grand scheme of things, being the best at anything that doesn't guarantee you anything. Being the best employee at work, that itself doesn't guarantee that you're going to have great relationships with your coworkers. Going above and beyond, bending over backwards, ignoring your own needs and relationships, that doesn't guarantee that a person is going to stay. Trying to be a good daughter, a good son, that doesn't mean that your parents are going to quit drinking. So the moral of the story is, it's not really about the best. Think about what this is really about. This is actually about a time of your life when you felt completely helpless, you felt maybe powerless over a situation, and you developed this persona of bestness as a way to try to overcome it. But the truth, my dear, is that just by default, just from existing and being your authentic self, you are enough. Authenticity is what's enough. Being you is enough. And when it comes to relationships, you don't have to be the best at anything. You don't even have to be the most attractive, a certain weight or a certain color. This is something that a lot of people believe. and I think our society perpetuates it. But I encourage you to look up something called the Gottman Institute. They are basically the gold standard of relationship therapy. A lot of relationship research actually comes from the Gottman Institute. And they're so good at predicting whether a relationship works out or not, that in in one of the research, they had 94% accuracy on predicting whether or not a relationship works out just by watching the couple interact for like a short period of time. Just say 94% accuracy. And what it really boils down to is, you know, lasting relationships. It's not about being the best at anything. It's not about being the most beautiful, the most smart, the most financially well off. But it's about the moment to moment. In the relationship, the little ways that you show up minute by minute, the ways that you interact in the simple, tiniest little things in your interactions, you know, the eye contact, the way that you show up for your partner, how open you are, your level of authenticity. Are you listening to your partner? Are you willing to hear them out even if they disagree with you? The minute by minute little things are what make relationships last And it's not about being the best. So definitely look up Gottman Institute. And it's not about trying to please everyone either, right? The point of any relationship, whether it's a romantic family, co-workers or friends, it's not to please people. It's not to have people see you a certain way. Because you are enough. You are enough. And you need to trust that the right people... Are going to accept you just the way you are. Not everyone is going to vibe with you. That's the other thing, and not everyone is supposed to vibe with you, right? That's why we have close friends. If anybody could be our close friends, well, it would take the meaning out of it, right? It's quality over quantity. And think about this: Do you really want a hundred people on a surface level? to think that you're awesome, you're the best? Or would you like four or five hand-picked people who truly know you for who you are, truly understand you for who you are, and love you for it? And the other thing I want to mention is that if you're someone who analyzes how other people think, then you might feel guilty because you might do the same thing. So if you overanalyze others, you might automatically assume that everyone else is also overanalyzing you, Right? One more thing I want to mention about this is if you're someone that tends to judge yourself, then you might find that you also judge other people. And this can bring a great deal of shame because now you feel bad about judging other people. And I want to say again, let's really be self compassionate here. You're just projecting what's going on inside. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Okay. And the other thing is just because you judge people, you judge yourself, you judge others, it doesn't mean that other people do the same. And if you do meet people that are judging you, chances are they're doing it because they're judging themselves. We're always projecting all the time. So somebody who has a very healthy relationship with themselves, they also tend to see the good in other people. And the key here is to look for people like that to have in your inner circle. So that's just something I wanted to address. It's sort of how a lot of folks who have avoidant attachment styles or who tend to be serial monogamous, that they naturally assume that other people also feel the impulse to become a serial monogamist. We tend to assume what we experience are things that other people experience, where we feel like if we're capable of doing this bad thing, then that means everyone is capable of doing that bad thing. And again, I just want to remind you that everyone's just projecting stuff on each other all the time. And what is your experience is not necessarily someone else's experience. You know, other people have a completely different upbringing than you, a completely different view of the world. And when it feels safe, it's important to give people a chance when it feels safe. All right, call to action. Number one, please, for the love of coffee. If there's just one thing to take away from today is that you must actively work towards speaking more kindly to yourself and to do this without shame. And that's to catch yourself when you start to notice that you're going into, oh, I'm the worst. I'm garbage. You know, break that pattern. Notice yourself doing it. And you say, no, no, I refuse. You can even like say it out loud. Like I refuse And then tell yourself something more helpful instead. Now, if you call yourself names, right, you say, I'm so dumb, I'm the worst, I'm garbage, there's a kind of like familiar satisfaction to it. It's kind of hard to explain. Like you're so used to doing it that it's this familiar feeling, and you might feel like you enjoy talking down on yourself. But again, what good is that doing for you? Right? Forgive yourself and remind yourself that this is just a defense mechanism and it doesn't mean that it's good for you. Just because it feels familiar or satisfying doesn't mean it's good for you and I don't think that this is the place that you really want to be, especially if you're listening to this podcast. And start looking at it that the inner child wants to believe that they are good enough and start from there because you're already good enough. Number two is remembering that just because you analyze other people based on projecting from yourself doesn't mean that other people are doing the same thing. And if they are, let's just say that somehow you end up with someone who is the same as you, they're also comparing you to other people. That's a reflection of them. Is that really a relationship that you want to be in? Something to ask yourself. And number three is to get rid of the pedestal altogether. There's that societal belief that the best to quote-unquote people, the richest, the most good-looking people have it all. And if only I had all these things, if I was perfect, then I wouldn't have any problems. And now one look at Hollywood will tell us that that's not true. And as I said before, you know, with the research from the Gottman Institute... Perfection is not what brings lasting relationships, and it's definitely not what brings us closer to self-love and happiness. What brings us closer home to ourselves is authenticity. So my loves, you are enough. It is your birthright. Enoughness is just being you for who you are, and just because one person doesn't like you for who you are, doesn't mean that that reflects your self-worth. I mean, a lot of people don't like me (laughs) and, you know, not everyone is for you and that's okay. Your self-worth is not reflected on making everybody in the world like you, bending over backwards to please everyone. That's not a life, right? What's important is you deciding for yourself what's important for you and that you get to choose who you want in your life. You get to handpick the people that you choose to be close to you. So thank you in for joining in on today's episode. Take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram and let me know what your biggest takeaways were. Because I'm always open in my DMs. I want to hear from you, the listeners, and I want to make content and answer questions that you care about that you can actually apply to your life. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. I will catch you in the next one. And if you're interested in working with me or checking out my free social media tips or anything, hit me up at ByGloriaZang or go to ByGloriaZang.com. Till next time. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot. So thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks bestie. See you in the next one.